chance, this is the moment you've waited for. I am not a stranger to the dark. You're still just the Taylor's boy. Better luck with your next job. Those people will never accept us. This isn't the life I promised you. Not even close. But I have everything I want. together a show. It's a place where people can see things they've never seen before. <laughs> okay. I'm not scared. Who's that? And what is your act? I don't have an act. Everyone's got an act. People aren't gonna like it if you put us on stage. No one counting on it. Well, I believe those are the words of a scoundrel. A showman. Miss Lynn, just a showman. Don't listen to them. They don't understand yet. But they will. So tell me, do you want to go? Where it's coming in all the colored lights. Where the runaways are running the night. Impossible come true. It's taking over you. Oh, this is the greatest show. Does it bother you that everything you're selling is fake? Do these smiles seem fake? We have more protesters every day. You're risking everything you've built. Well, how do you think I built it? The world is ashamed of us. But you put us in the spotlight. You gave us a real family. Have you no shame? Father, the world is changing. Never made a difference by being like everyone else. Well, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things to do in life, especially after a really hard day at work, you come home, you're kind of exhausted, and you know, I greet my kids, I, I give them hugs, and we spend some time together, we, we eat to, a meal together as a family, and it's, it's about evening time, it's dark, so you can't go outside anymore, and I just love being able to, as a family, we, we grab a big blanket, and we kind of hunker down on the couch, we, we grab some popcorn, hopefully you got some good popcorn, I prefer kettle corn, just saying, but maybe next time, you know, we brew some coffee, we, we make some hot chocolate for the kids, you gotta have the whipped cream and the cherry on top, and we cuddle in a blanket, it's me, Ashley, Malachi, Ruby, Kate, and Joelle, and we push play on a movie. And I love to just sit back, relax, and watch a movie. And probably the vast majority of us are the same way, because there's something about a movie that just takes us on this roller coaster ride of emotion. You see, the stories of movie can make us at one moment wanna cry, and then the next celebrate in victory. Movies can make us try to find the most intrinsic details of a mystery, or we can find ourselves off key singing to the music. Because movies take us places, and I'm a movie junkie, I, I've seen thousands and thousands of movies, and here's what I've realized about the movies in our culture. You see, the movies in our, our culture creates ultimately reflect the ideas our culture believes. You see, when it comes to the movies that are made in our culture today, there's often truths that that movie or that creator is trying to get across. And when it comes to the movies, there are often, they reflect the ideas and the values and the beliefs 
of our culture. You ever watched a movie and you just knew exactly the hidden agenda behind the movie? Because it often reflects what our culture believes. And so we're starting this brand new series today called At the Movies. And what we're doing in this series is over the next five weeks, we're just going to look at some of the most popular movies in our culture over the last couple years. And we're just going to kind of put them up against God's word. And so here's what we're doing. Here's a kind of foundation for this series is we're taking culture's movies and we're bringing out gospel-centered truths. We're taking the movies that are most popular in our culture and we're trying to align them up to what God has to say. And and some of you this morning, you know, you might be like, I don't know. You know, we're, we're gathering as the church and do we really need movies? Isn't God's word enough? Well, yes, it is enough. But there's really two specific reasons why we're using movies today. I think the first one is we wanna, throughout this series, we're gonna teach you a skill that I believe every Christian in our culture needs today a skill of learning how to filter through what is accurate and what is not. In our culture today, this is a skill not you're gonna need for the next five weeks, but for your entire life as you walk and live as a Christian in our culture today, you're gonna have to learn to filter through what aligns with God's word and what doesn't. And then the second reason is this series allows us to connect ultimately with the culture that we're trying to reach and love and minister to. Nothing connects us more maybe than movies. This is a great series for you to go out in your, your, your neighborhood and your school and say, hey, my church is doing something on the movies. We'd love for you to come be a part of it. And you see this in the Apostle Paul. He used modern things in his culture to ultimately point people to the truth. You see it in Acts 17 where Paul is at Mars Hill and he uses a modern day poet in that culture to ultimately take that culture to the truth of God's word. And so we're taking culture stories. You'll see through these five movies that we show, you'll see that there are truths in these movies. But there's something missing in the truths. There's one dimension that can take a shallow truth and make it change your life for all of eternity. So for the next five weeks, we're gonna take a glimpse at the truths that movies offer us. And we're gonna ask the question and bring it into sharp focus to the reality of what does God have to say? And so we're starting with one of my favorite movies in the last couple years, It's the movie, The Greatest Showman. And in this movie, you will find from the beginning to the end, every character, every person in the movie is ultimately trying to answer two questions. And what's interesting about these two questions that they're trying to figure out is they're the same questions that every single one of us are in pursuit of answering, discovering. You see, we're all in pursuit of answering two questions. The first one is, who am I? Who am I? I mean, have you ever just stopped and looked in the mirror and asked yourself that question? Who am I? Beyond what you do for a living, beyond the fact that you're a parent or you're not, you're married or not, beyond the fact of what you have and what you don't have, who are you? At the core of your soul and at the core of your heart, what makes you, you? You see, in this storyline, you're gonna see Characters trying, people trying to figure out the answer to that question, much like we are today. The second question is, where do I fit in? Who am I and and where is my place in life? What did God create me to be and, and where do I find that? What's my place? You see, I think all of us are in this journey of trying to discover the answer or rediscover the answer to these two questions. And the storyline of this movie begins with the main character. His name is Phineas Barnum. And as a young boy, Phineas Barnum goes on this journey to kind of discover who he is and where is his place in life. 
And what makes it difficult for this young, poor boy is that every time, every time he tries to figure out who he is, there's always somebody to tell him he doesn't belong. Check this out. I understand, yes. Thank you so much, Mr. Jeffries. Thank you. You'll have the money by the end of the day. Let's go. Phineas, hurry up. We're gonna miss the train. Stand up straight. Wipe that muck off. Pinky up. Arm extended, elbow out. Sit, never slur. Pinky in the air. Arm extended, elbow out. Keep your cup level. Gently lower your cup. Shall we do it again? Pinky in the air. Arm extended, elbow out. Gracefully. <laughs> Charity, come here. Your dress. Is this how we've taught you to behave? It's my fault, sir. I made her laugh. Well, thank you for your honesty. Stay away from my daughter. This young Phineas trying to figure out his place. And the hard part for him and for many of us is there's so many people telling us we don't belong because we don't have enough or we're not that type of person. And, and, and as we begin to discover who we are, as we go on this journey to try to figure out the answer to that question, who am I? There's a foundation we all have to start in. You see, to discover who you are, you must first discover whose you are. In order to discover truly your identity and who you are, you gotta go back to your origin, go back to your creator, back to who you belong to. And as Christians today, the Bible speaks directly to whose we are. It speaks to, to who we are. In 1 John, he says this, he says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. So here this verse makes it clear for every Christian, for those of you who have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he's the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, it says you are a child of God. We're the children of God, and so if you're a lady here today, just know that you're a daughter of the King of Kings, and if you're a guy or a gentleman here today, you're a son of God Almighty. We're children of God. In fact, John reiterates this in chapter one. He says this, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, so those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it says he gave them the right to become children of God or a child of God because that's what we are. And why is that so significant in trying to figure out who I am? Because if you don't know where you come from, you ultimately probably won't know where you're headed. In fact, an author says it like this, Tyler Pratchett, he says, if you don't know where you come from, 
then you don't know where you are. And if you don't know where you are, then you don't know where you're going. And if you don't know where you're going, you pro- you're probably going wrong. And I love what this quote does is it kind of shows us the trajectory of many of our lives. Because many of us, we don't start with whose we are and where we belong and where we come from. And what that does is it sets a course in our life for us to wander through life searching for who we are and we end up in the wrong place. That's why it's so important to understand, to discover who I am and who you are. We gotta start with who we are. We are children of God. And what happens in our lives is when we discover, when we go on this journey, we understand that I'm a child of God as a Christian, and I begin to understand who I am and my place in life, what it enables me to do is, is to do that for other people, to leverage other people to discover the answer to those same questions. And so here is this young boy named Phineas trying to figure out who he is. And so he goes on this journey in this movie and he discovers who he is and his place in life. And because him having that foundation, he begins to go find other people who have been neglected, rejected, outcast, weirdos. And he begins to take people who didn't have a place and he begins to give them a place. Check this out. You must be Gertrude Stratton. I'm looking for your son. I don't have a son. The hospital record says you do. Charles, right? Age 22? Charles! Charles! P.T. Barnum, at your service. I am putting together a show, and I need a star. You want people to laugh at me? Well, they're laughing anyway, kid, so might as well get paid. I see a soldier. No, a general. Riding across the stage with a sword and a gun and... and and the most beautiful uniform ever made. People will come from all over the world and when they see him, they won't laugh. They'll salute. girls. Hey, you looking for freaks? I know where you can find one of them. Really? Come on, girls. Hello. Sir, you shouldn't be here. I'm sorry. I, who's doing this thing? you, isn't it? Sir, I have to ask you to leave. You are so talented, blessed. Extraordinary. Unique. I would even say beautiful. (laughs) Sir, please leave me alone. 
They don't understand, but they will. So here Phineas goes on this journey to help people who have been outcasted find their place, discover who they are. And when it comes to that journey for all of us, discovering who you are, one of the hardest reasons why many of us never truly find out who we are is because we allow people to determine who we are. I mean, you look at the people of the circus in this movie, every single one of them allowed the people in culture to to deem their value, to tell them their place in life. And I'm afraid way too many of us in life today, we find our identity in what people say about us. We find our identity in in what our friends and, and what culture says about us. And we find the place we belong is where they ultimately push us to. And if you want to know who you are today, you got to start with whose you are. But the second thing you have to understand is you're not defined by what people see in you. You're defined by what God says about you. And I just, I just, I'm afraid today, many Christians and many people in life, you know what, we care way more about what people think about us than what we do, really what God says about us. I mean, when it comes to life, we find more value in the opinions of man rather than the opinion of God. And I don't know why we do that, but that's just true about all of us today is we value people's opinions so much. And the truth is, is you're not defined by those. Maybe you've allowed yourself to be defined by those, but you're truly not. Who you are is not defined by the the opinions of man. It's truly about what God has already claimed over your life. In fact, the Bible speaks to what people say about us. It says this in Proverbs chapter 29. It says, it is dangerous. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you. Pretty powerful verse where where the author reminds us it's a principle, not a promise. Remember, in Proverbs, it's, it's a principle. It's dangerous to bank solely on the opinions of man. Now, let's pause here for a second. Because I know what like, pe- people like to do is they like to take my words out of context. And here's what I'm not saying. I'm not giving you leverage today to never listen to anybody ever again. Like, you can't walk out of here and be like, well, I don't have to listen to you. I know you don't agree with me, but Drew says I don't have to worry. It's dangerous to, to be concerned with what you think. And if everybody in your life, your community group, and all your friends are telling you the same thing, it's probably true. And you should probably listen to them. But what the author here is saying is it is a dangerous place to be when you stake your identity, who you are, on the opinions of man. In fact, Psalms tells us a better way. Psalms chapter 118, it says this, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It's better to listen to what God says about you than the opinions or to trust in what humans say. Sergio Bell, he says it best, I think. He says, what God knows about me is more important than what others think about me. And just for a second, think about that. What God knows about you. This is the God of the universe. He's your creator. The Bible says he knit you in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were ever even thought about. That God and what he knows about you, not the things that are questionable about you, the things that are true about you, according to your author and your creator, are more important than what people are going to say about you. And what that leads us to, that that should lead us all to a question. If what God says about us is really where we find our identity and what we're defined by, we got to ask the question, what does God say about me? What what are are God's words about all of us? And let's start with every single person to hear today. God says a lot of things about you. I'm going to give you three today. The first one, you are an image bearer. 
You carry the image of a perfect, flawless God. And it doesn't matter if you believe in him or not, you are made in the image of God. You carry a small piece of the God, maybe for some of you, you're rejecting. So when you reject God, you almost reject a little piece of yourself because you were made in the image of God. This is what Genesis says, Genesis chapter one. It says, God, so God created mankind, that's all of us, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And I don't even know we fully understand in our finite minds all that that means, what that entails. But you are an image bearer of God Almighty. The second thing you have to realize is you are forgiven. God offers you access to forgiveness if you would just receive it and accept it. See, I think one of the the greatest barriers to believing in Jesus and, and having a relationship with Jesus for many people is their past. They look back at their past and they say, man, I've messed up, I've screwed up, I have a lot of baggage in my past. And the great news is, is God gives you forgiveness of that past, he can wipe it clean. Look what 2 Corinthians says, it says, God made him who had no sin, that is Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, being made right in God, forgiveness of our sins. All you have to do is ask for it and receive it and God will give it to you. So you're an image bearer, you're forgiven, and then third, maybe the most important thing, the thing that we all desire is you are loved. Honestly, isn't that what we're all in pursuit of? Is just someone to love us? Here's the truth today, you don't don't have to search anymore because God does love you. And it doesn't matter if everyone else in your life abandons you, rejects you, walks out on you, God will always love you. And the one thing I love about God's love is it's not like our culture's love. It's not like my love or your love because in our culture today, when we tell somebody we love them, almost every time we're really trying to get something out of them. Like, I love you, and and so that, that means because my love for you, it means you should respond a certain way. But God's love is so different than that. It's unconditional. And so when God said he, he loved you, it wasn't an empty promise, and he wasn't expecting anything in return from you. In fact, this is what Romans chapter 5 says. It says, but God demonstrated. He displayed his love. He proved his love for us in this while we were still sinners, rejecting, running, rebelling against God. You know what he did? He died for us. What an incredible type of love. And that's the type of love God has for every single individual to ever walk the face of the earth. That you are loved. Tim Keller says it like this. He says, the gospel is like this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believed. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dare hoped. Praise God for that truth today. So God says, hey, I don't care who you are today. You're offered forgiveness. You're an image bearer of God Almighty, and you are loved by God. But then let's speak specifically to Christians. Those of you who have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this is what God says about Christians. The first one, you are chosen. You are chosen. God chose. He selected you and pulled you out of the darkness and into the light. First Peter says it like this. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And doesn't that feel good today? To know of all the things that God has, all the things he has access to, he says we, Christians, are his special possession. You're chosen. Secondly, you're an overcomer. 
You can overcome anything this world has to throw at you, any temptation you deal with, any struggle, any person, any circumstance. You are an overcomer. Why? Not because you're special, not because I'm special, because of who lives in us. First John chapter 4 says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Why? Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So no matter what you face in life, through God's power, you are an overcomer. Third, you are a child of God. We've spoken a little bit to this already, where we've said God has adopted you into his family. While you were rejected, outcasted, while the world told you you weren't worth anything, God brought you into his family. He adopted you in. He says, you're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter. First John 3, 1, it says, see what great love the Father has for us, that he, he, we would call us children of God, and that is exactly what we are. Fourth and final, because you're a child of God, you are an heir. You are an heir to the kingdom of God. Just pause for a second and think about how amazing that is. That God's kingdom, like we get an inheritance that we can't even fathom or picture. That God has an inheritance waiting for us that is going to be better than anything our minds can picture. So the Bible says, Romans chapter 8, it says, now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. Jesus Christ, our Savior, what he gets as an inheritance, we get the same thing. How amazing is that? And in a world that constantly beats you down and tells you you're not worth anything, in a world that negativity is swirling all around, I pray today that just encourages you. To know exactly what God says about you is one of the most uplifting, encouraging things in life. And I know as Christians, many times we can feel like the weirdos. We can feel like the outcasts because that's exactly how the people of this circus felt. The, whole, all, the, the entire culture told them they didn't belong. And for so many of us as Christians, we can relate to that. And here's why, because this is what Jesus did. First Corinthians, it says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. And here's why so that no one may boast before him. So God took the things that were not and made them and to nullify the things that are. So God gives us a place in life. And here's one of the greatest schemes of the enemy when it comes to who you are, is knowing these truths will, will give you a purpose in life. Knowing what God says about you will set your life on a trajectory with purpose and meaning. But here's what the enemy wants to do, is he wants to blind you he wants to do anything in his power to get you to forget those truths, that you are chosen, that you are loved, that you are cared for, that God died for you. And he wants to make those blurry in your mind so you will forget, ultimately, who you are and where you fit in. And that hap that's what happened exactly to Phineas Barnum. As a young boy, he discovered who he was and it placed his life with purpose, allowing people who were outcasts to have a place. But Phineas Barnum got distracted. He got distracted with success, with money, with popularity, and those things blinded him to ultimately his purpose in life. And what it led him to was, it led him to reject the very people he wanted to give a place to. Check this out. Thank you. It's hard to understand wealth and privilege when you're born into it. 
manages to remind me that I don't deserve a place in this world, and that leaves a hole that no ovation can ever fill. Lord, that lady can sing. I think she likes a man in uniform? I'm sure she does. Guy, what, what, what are you doing here? You got a show in an hour, okay? It's enough time for us to have at least three drinks, right? Come on. No, 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 no. Letty. What? It's very crowded in here, okay? And I can't have you mingling. Guys, who's going to pay admission if you're out there for all the world to see, okay? Have a great show. Wait. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a toast. Jenny, America may not know it yet, but they are going to love you. to the dark hide away they say cause we don't want your broken parts I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars run away they say no one will love you as you are but I won't let them break me down to dust I know that there's a place for us for we are glorious This is me. Look out! 
It's one of the pinnacle moments in the movie because for the very first time, the people of the circus were rejected by the very person who gave them a place. It was the first time that Phineas Barnum, the, the man who found these people and brought them in and said, you're valuable, shut the door in their face. And maybe you've been there before. Or someone who gave you value turned their back on you. See, I think for far too many of us today, we place our value in our identity on the words of people. That's what these characters did. The people in the circus, they banked their identity on what Phineas Barnum said about them and the place he gave them. And this song entitled, This Is Me, is a response to the rejection he gave them. Because for the very first time, they realized that they were valuable, not because he said so, but because God created them to be. And I think for many of us today, we have to have that transfer in our hearts and in our minds today, where we recognize that we're valuable because the God of the universe made us, not because someone in our life, our boss, our coworker, our friend, the person we go to college says so. That we are valuable because we exist in life and God made us that way. You see, too many of us, we hang on the applause of people. You look perfect today. You are perfect just the way you are. And we, we, we hang on the applause of people. If you don't believe, believe the movie, believe me. Because it's really easy in, in my role to hang on people's applause. Because every weekend, I stand before thousands of people and if I'm honest, sometimes I feel like I'm performing. Like I'm an act to watch. And you know what, on the good days, it's really easy to find your identity and what people say about what you did. Man, Drew, that, uh, that message was amazing. Like you were on fire today, that changed my life and that feels really good. And on those good days, man, my identity feels really good. But what about those days when I walk off stage and people say, you know what? I just don't feel like it was that good. I didn't like what you wore, or how you dressed. You weren't very clear. You just missed the mark, Drew. And what I've learned about in life is if I value people's opinion so much, my life will just go back and forth being tossed like I'm in waves. One day I'll feel really good about myself and the next day I'll be in this state of depression. And honestly, probably that's how some of you live. You allow the opinions of the people in your life to shape you back and forth and back and forth. And maybe today you begin to transfer that from what people say about you to what God says about you. So the question is, is how do I find the answer to those two questions? Who am I and where do I fit in? Whether you want to admit it or not, we're all kind of trying to discover that or rediscover that. And I'm telling you today, if you want to know who you are, you want to know where you fit in, the only source of that, the only source of your identity is found in one person, and his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ, he is the source of your identity. He created you, he sustains you, and ultimately he died for you to give you a place in life. And maybe today for the first time, you just believe that 
and you receive that, where you allow God to forgive you of your past and you allow him to be the source of your identity. You've tried everything else in life. You've tried people's opinions and it's left you high and dry, but maybe today you place your faith and trust in Jesus and you discover who you truly are and he'll give you a purpose that will never run dry. But for the vast majority of us, we've made that decision. And so maybe today is just a reminder of what God says about you that you are chosen, that you are an image bearer of God Almighty, that you are loved, that you're an heir to the kingdom of God. You're a child, you're a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. And reminding yourself of who you are ultimately leads you where you want to go. So I think there's only really one response to this message today. And that is for whether you're watching online at home today or you are at one of our campuses, I would ask every single one of us to stand with me. Would you stand right now, get on your feet. And as we wind down our service, we're gonna declare what God says about us. We're gonna sing a song that says, I am chosen, I'm not forsaken, that God is for me, he's not against me. And I am today exactly what my heavenly father says about me. And so let's stand together and let's sing these words and let's declare them over our lives. You are chosen. 